0: Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, are, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your warm introduction. I don't know, um, I'm humbled by it. I don't know if it's deserved, but I'm humbled by it. Uh, here's, here's what I am not. Uh, I, I don't know that I am the one who can interpret all the things that are going on in our world collectively or your world individually. I don't know if I have uh, a word specifically for you today, but I think the Holy Spirit does, and so I'm going to be faithful as best I can to uh, share a few reflections um, I right now am having trouble even figuring out how to staff Carlson Hall, the building I'm tasked with, with student leaders for next year. I'm not sure what my university is going to look like, the people I work alongside. Um, I don't know how many students will populate my rooms. I hope a lot, the more the merrier. If you're a guest on campus today, welcome, come here. Honestly, if, if I felt like, if I felt more comfortable using social media as a platform, I would say to my social media audience, there's never been a better time to be at North Central. Our city is unsafe and unpredictable, and the university is making big decisions and big cuts, and there'll be ripples for a while to come. But there are godly people who are leading that, and there is kingdom work that's happening in this climate. I know God's kingdom is bigger than Minneapolis, but I know God's kingdom is here at work in Minneapolis. So I would tell the audience out there, whoever they are, through social media, come to Minneapolis and come to North Central if God's calling you because he's at work here. So if you're a guest, welcome. But I don't know who will fill my buildings next year, and I don't know what the future will hold, um, but I do know a few things. Um, I know that we stand on his word. I know that he's been faithful in my life. Um, And I I trust that he is faithful in your life. Um, In fact, I know he's faithful in your life, but I trust that he will help us see his faithfulness in your life today. And then we will stand on solid things like his word And the witnessed work of of His Holy Spirit in our lives, individually and collectively. And that will fortify us to make sense of these times and to go forward into them. That's my prayer for today. So, let me pray. God, you've been making disciples at North Central University for 90 years. There are people that are shaped, me among them, by experiences you've done at this corner of 14th Street and Elliott Avenue in downtown Minneapolis for decades. And some of those experiences, lots and lots of them, in fact, have happened right in this room. So, God, you have been in the business of making disciples uh, for so long, and of course, of course, your disciple-making work is far bigger than just North Central. You are discipling people all across this country, all across this hemisphere, all around the world, and you've been doing it for generations. So, God, we're honored to be counted amongst your disciples. We want you to disciple us more today. We want to be people that in our discipleship are helping others in their journey of discipleship wherever they are along that pathway. And God, we want your number to swell so that your name will be made great and you'll be more glorified. As more of the people you've created become followers, disciples, worshipers of you. So do your work in this time, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well, here's the little understanding of discipleship that I'm working off of. This is Discipleship Chapel. We have great discipleship leaders and discipleship administrators. And discipleship's happening all around campus through the structure, but also through this whole community life that we have together. I think of discipleship as this we all have at some point been captivated by an understanding or a vision or an experience with Christ. Praise God. It may have been a big moment. It may have been a little one. It may have been a moment. It may have been a process. But on some level, at some point, all of us have had this moment where Christ captured us. Praise God. And as a result of that, we now respond by wanting to draw closer to him. We want to draw closer to him in relationship like in proximity, like I want to be closer to you, like I want to get physically closer to you. Um, but we also grow closer to Jesus in likeness as we learn his teachings and as we follow them and practice them, uh, the way we talk and the way we act and the attitudes that we have, um, the heart that's inside of us, the things we care about, become more Jesus-like. And one of his greatest teachings is that as we are a disciple, we share that experience with others by helping make disciples of others. And that happens by us passing along the teaching. That also happens, honestly, as we become more Christ-like. We're a better reflection of the master, and more people can be introduced to him, drawn to him, challenged by him, encouraged by him. So that's the journey of discipleship. It's individual, but it also just spills all over the people around us. So I just wanna share with you a couple of lessons, maybe, of discipleship that came out of my time as an undergrad. I was a North Central student, and I was here for five years. I uh, was a pastoral studies major with a supporting program in music, and I was very invisible for the first half of, half of college and then something changed and I emerged and became involved in student leadership in my time here. And then I graduated and the Lord led me back here and now I'm here today. So I uh, was here a while ago, but uh, I think there's some parallels between my experience perhaps and yours. I also think that I've had the Blessing of some perspective on my undergrad experiences. So that's what I want you to benefit from today. Okay. All right. I'm calling this discipleship lesson number one. Stepping outside my comfort zone. I quickly discovered the very first second I was on this campus that I had stepped outside my comfort zone. But what I had learned was Well, what I would learn, painfully at times, is that uh, while being outside of one's comfort zone is uncomfortable, also in that step, God can be more at work, I think, than if I had stayed in that comfort zone. So friends, if you are facing a choice between a comfort zone or a zone that feels unfamiliar and uncomfortable, I would encourage you to choose the path of greater discomfort because in my experience, that's where God is more at work. Okay. Bilbo Baggins puts it this way. <laughs> it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. But the whole fate of Middle Earth would not have been the same if Bilbo first and Frodo second had not stepped out their door and taken that road filled with pain, but ultimately changing the course of the history of their whole world. For me, coming to college was a huge step outside my comfort zone. Um, Here's a story. This is a true story. My senior year of high school, I grew up about 25 minutes from here, I was picking colleges, and I had applied to four and been accepted, and I had narrowed it to two. North Central was one of them, and so was another Christian school that I actually had much more familiarity with. I had been to that campus multiple times. My older sister was a student there. Uh, My high school, several of my high school friends were attending there, planning to attend there. The girl that I was sort of in a something with was also going to be there, so that, by uh, by a long stretch, that represented uh, a far greater comfort zone for me. But for some reason, North Central just kept being in the mix. Kept being in the mix. And I remember as we were approaching spring of my senior year, and I, I think it was about the time I had to apply for housing. And it occurred to me, Chris, you can't live on two campuses next year, so you have to make a decision, one or the other. I came home from church youth group on a Wednesday night and uh, sat down on the blue carpeting in the floor of my bedroom that I shared with my younger brother and uh, prayed a brief prayer, wrote down North Central Bible College, because that was the name of the school at the time, and the other school on two separate pieces of paper and crumpled them up and shuffled them around and drew one out, and it was North Central. Is that funny? Oh, thanks for your applause. Uh, yeah, It was quite a performance, I'll tell you. Um, and honestly, in that moment, I felt peace. Uh, I think I needed that silly little moment of casting lots to, uh, to kind of confirm that this was where the Lord was leading me because this was so outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I, I had never even been to campus uh, at that point. I never had a campus visit ever and had wandered around campus once with some high school friends over the summer, and we managed to wander our way into Miller Hall, where summer residents were living, and uh, I I was with female friends, and we wandered onto a men's floor, and a guy came out and he was like, uh, you can't be here. (laughs) Um, And that was the extent of my college visit before coming to North Central. (laughs) But here I am, and here, and. And I felt like the Lord was leading me, and he was. But it was outside my comfort zone, and a lot of really challenging experiences followed after that. Uh, North Central represented a different faith denomination than I was used to, and a different worship style than I was used to, and a different theological teaching than I was used to. North Central had absolutely no familiar faces on its campus except for one person who was a commuting, part-time married student. She was the only one I knew at all. And she was the big sister of a high school friend of mine, so I didn't even know her well. So coming here was also a huge social adjustment for me, joining a community that I knew nobody. And a lot of uh, really difficult and painful things came out of that. But at the same time, I don't think I would be the person I am today if I didn't have my theology expanded. If I didn't have my worship styles expanded. If I didn't have my uh, social network of people that I met and knew expanded. And all along the way, it took a lot of faith, a lot of holding on to God. Were you really in my room that night on the blue carpeting when I drew out the name North Central University? Like, that took a lot of faith. And often when we're outside our comfort zone and things are hardest, that's when we discover uh, what we're made of, which it, quite likely what you're made of is far stronger and far more uh, resilient and far more full of gifts than you realize And I'm not saying this to build your self-esteem. I'm saying this to give credit to the maker who made you, okay? One of the things that's most amazing to me is when I meet a person and discover the tremendous treasure chest that God built inside of them when he created them, and that treasure chest is probably only open a crack, and we're probably only seeing the first glints of the beautiful treasure inside, But God is a tremendously amazing creator, and he's created into you far more than has been discovered yet. And you'll probably spend a lifetime discovering that, I hope. And then as you do make those discoveries, those will become gifts that'll be a part of his kingdom's work, right? So... so. It's when we're outside the comfort zone, I think, that the treasure chest gets pulled open a little bit further and more of who God made us to be gets revealed. I'm saying it with poetic words, treasure and sparkle and things like that, but actually that process, I think, can be quite painful or quite difficult. But God's in it, and he's pulling out the treasure that he built into you when he made you. Discipleship lesson number two Boy, I sure needed people to grow in college. I still need people to grow. I can't grow in a vacuum by myself. Um, Because a lot of the support that it takes to grow comes from other people. That's kind of how God has designed the body of Christ. But also, if I'm being honest, a lot of the challenge to grow comes from other people. And sometimes it comes in ways where we're ready for it, like a message in a chapel service that's challenging. But sometimes the growth from other people comes from conflict and tension and friction, somebody really annoying me or hurting me. But God is at work in my life. He's been at work um, exponentially more because of people, because I found myself in the midst of people roommates, floor mates, leadership teams. Um, So let me tell another story. My sophomore year of college, I lived on 2 East in Carlson Hall, which this, you know, nowadays is our first-year experience floor packed with wonderful people. But when I was a student, it was upperclassmen. It was called the Honor Wing. And uh, guys lived there who well, at least the year I lived there, guys lived there who were upperclassmen. They are older. They are more serious students. Some of them were in serious relationships. Um, and I kind of felt like I was this little baby sophomore, immature in a hundred ways, living with these um, kind of spiritual giants. And... Um, that was, it turns out, in hindsight, exactly where the Lord had dropped me for a really difficult year, where I was questioning my calling, I was questioning if I was in the right major, I was questioning if I was at the right school, I was questioning if school was even done the right way, I had all these philosophical views on how education should be done, and really it was me in protest, just um, protesting outwardly, because inwardly I was trying to uh, sort through and figure out a whole lot of things that, uh, about myself and about God. But I was in a room with uh, Josh Ott, and he was um, this uh, very strong man who worked for the security office. He was from Virginia, uh, and he called the state of Virginia the motherland, and he was full of wisdom that uh, hit me in the face, often like being bashed with a two-by-four, um, when I, was, when I was working through questions and I would raise them in our room, he would not uh, comfort me. He would not give me easy answers. He would give me truth. And then I had to wrestle more because I wasn't just being told what I wanted to hear, but I was being told what I maybe needed to know and think about and factor in. Uh, but that year on 2 East, I remember so distinctly, it was late in the school year, it was probably the second semester, and I came back on the floor um, a little bit late. We were having a prayer meeting at the end of the floor in our lounge, and um, some of the most powerful times of prayer in my whole life were in a lounge at the end of 2 East with the guys I lived with on the floor that year when we would fast and pray together. But I was coming late to that, coming in hot, and I uh, I arrived at the door of the lounge, the lounge had a door then, and um, I could hear the guys inside talking about me. And I was so angry. I was so angry, in fact, that I turned around and went back to my room and skipped the rest of the gathering. But here's what they were saying. made me angry, but it was so good. My roommate Josh was telling the group, Guys, can we pray for Chris tonight? He's just been going through a lot. He's working through a lot in his life right now. He's angry at times. Let's pray for him. And so my roommate that you know challenged me but also loved me was bringing me to my brothers for prayer. And uh, I think, well, I don't think I would be the person I am today without the challenges and hardships of that year of college and the support system that the Lord saw fit to drop me in on my floor okay discipleship lesson number three sometimes community limits our personal freedoms but oftentimes community expands our opportunities for growth I call this the corral tour principle. I was a chorale member uh, while I was a student here. I, I don't really know why I was a part of that group. I don't think I'm that caliber of musician, but I think I, this is what I always said when I was in college. I, I said, I got into chorale on a dry year for male singers, and then once I was in the group, Larry Bach never could get rid of me because I was just there. Uh, so, So I was a part of Corral, and uh, it was one of the richest parts of my undergrad career. And one of the things that I felt blessed to be a part of with that group was three times when I was in Corral, we did overseas tours. I got to go to Israel and Italy and Singapore uh, in Corral. My very first flight on an airplane was from MSP to Chicago O'Hare, on my way to Tel Aviv, uh, Israel, for our corral tour. It's my very first flight. If you come to my house and walk into my living room, on the wall, under a frame, are the boarding passes from that very first flight in corral. Now, when you're in corral on tour, you have to do things like load and unload a lot of luggage. And um, I think in a chivalrous way, the tenors and the bases were often responsible for the loading and unloading of all of the luggage on and off the tour bus. I think if you were to talk to a tenor or bass in Corral from the era I was in it at least, uh, we could tell you specific individuals that had humongous suitcases. There was one person in Corral when I was there who had what we called a rolling dresser. Her suitcase was so big. Also, people who loaded and unloaded the bus could probably tell you who was on time and who was always running late. (laughs) So when we went on corral tour, you had to work. You had to load and unload. Another thing was we'd, uh, the tour bus would drive into an amazing place, let's say across the causeway into Venice, Italy. And then we'd be given an amount of time, uh, a couple of hours, be back at 3 o'clock, where we could explore the city with friends, shop, get food, experience the culture and the, and the setting. But we had to be back uh, to the tour bus on time. And there were so many times when being back to the bus felt like I had to rush what I was doing or cut short what I was doing. Man, I sure would have liked a couple more hours to wander the streets of Venice or to have a longer gondola ride on the Great Canal. But instead, we had to cut those things short and come back to the tour bus. And it felt like, grr, if I weren't on tour with this group, I wouldn't have to be bound by this schedule. But... I promise you, I would not have been in Venice, Italy if I weren't in that group. So the same group that at times brought limitations to what I wanted to do also opened up doors for me that would not have been opened otherwise. And so it is for us, brothers and sisters, being in community, whether the community is your floor or your residence hall or campus here at North Central, or the community is a family someday, or places where you'll work or minister, or even it's being in a neighborhood, or being a part of a city, or a country, there are constraints that come with being in relationship and being in community. But there also are opportunities and blessings that would not be possible apart from being a part of that. And I think that's the way God designed it. He has not designed us for Christianity in a vacuum but he's designed us for uh, Christ-following among others, where we have responsibilities to one another, and also we have great gain because we are doing it together. So then, thank you for being um, listeners on my recollections through my college career. But here's our text that I started with. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I'm quite confident you have tasted. Recall that sweet taste. It may have been a long time since you tasted it, but you have tasted sweetness. The Lord, in fact, is good. Remember that. And may it stoke up appetite in us to taste again. As you come to him, the Lord, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, whose opinion matters more there, not the people who have rejected you, but the one who has called you chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, not in a vacuum, but being built up as a spiritual house, To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Skipping ahead in our passage here, this is my favorite text in the whole Bible. Verse 9, but you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There are both opportunities and responsibilities in those titles. You are a chosen race. It's common in our chapel times in past years to have opportunity for response. That's more difficult during COVID. But if you want to stay and pray by yourself or with somebody else, you're welcome to do that. But this is not the only space on our campus where God is at work. So if the Lord has spoken or stirred things in you during this time, there's always people around in this community. At the very least, I'm here to be with you, to pray, to ask questions, to listen, to process, so that your journey through North Central will be at least as, if not more fruitful than anything I've talked about today. There's also opportunities for us to practice our discipleship, in the next 24 hours, as our community enters into 10 for 10, and we begin to pray and intercede and also learn about and have our minds expanded on the big, big kingdom of God. So if you want to join in any of those hours or even minutes of prayer, some groups are doing that as floors, but you're also welcome as an individual. That time will start in here, and then we'll move to see, C- uh, sorry, I think we'll start next door and then we'll in the Anderson Chapel, and then we'll move to CLC 203 after that. But may the Lord's discipling work in you, which is multiplied when we're gathered together, may his discipling work be done. So that someday, whether you sit on a stool on this stage and get to recollect like I got to, you will have all sorts of stories and tales to tell of God's faithfulness in your life, moving you step by step along this journey of discipleship ever closer to him and ever drawing more people along on that journey. So I'm going to pray for you, and then you can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and space. Thank you for your faithfulness to so many here at North Central over the years. Thank you for your faithfulness to me. Thank you for your faithfulness to those in this room, and also those who can't be here today or those who have joined online. You see us all. You have us on a journey. You're still at work. Remind us of the sweet taste that we have experienced with you and then move us forward. Draw us closer to you, Jesus. Make us more like you. Uh, Fill us with your teachings and uh, help us to be better reflections of you that you might be glorified, we might find our purpose and your kingdom might go forward for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.